tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Lourdes, Drug Playboy, Sunnydale Stalker, and Tornado Baby. co-host crystal and i am your other co-host robert and this is reenacted and unsolved mysteries podcast and we are making this recording of our own free will crystal <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely what's happening yeah. right now yes absolutely uh, uh we we want to talk about this episode so bad uh-huh mm-hmm. totally <laughs> oh boy uh, but uh, before we we talk about uh stuff uh you have something you wanted to mention <laughs> oh no i was just uh i was just thinking i had a conversation with somebody at a party over the weekend about how much of uh, our lives are motivated motivated by spite and revenge and mm-hmm. uh you know, it's increasingly less of a driving factor for me, but uh, I had a I had a reminder I can be the pettiest bitch alive <laughs> when I was driving home from work. So I, uh, you know, as I may have mentioned previously on the podcast, uh, L.A. City is not known for its protected left to turn. So mm-hmm. there's no, in most intersections, there's no green arrow mm. to, uh, mm. you know... Oh. So what ends up happening due to traffic? Yeah, this is this is how you make a everybody write this down. This is how you make a left turn when driving in the city of Los Angeles. What you have to do is in the left turn lane, uh you have to kind of like force your way into the middle of the intersection. Okay. Um uh, and you just kind of have to wait there until it's a safe for you on the green light to turn left. Um, and there is an oncoming traffic. Like I said, it's unprotected. So you are facing oncoming yeah. traffic. Uh, and then what usually ends up happening r- around rush hour or busier times during the day is there's so much oncoming traffic that you can only turn left basically once their light has turned red and your light has turned right. red. So you're you're already in the intersection and you got to wait for all that traffic to stop. It's, it's just everybody knows what to do. Okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, every, and what the consequence of that is, is that uh, if you are in the um, perpendicular street, mm-hmm. trying to go straight, is you have to wait for those cars to turn left, even sometimes after your light turns green. It's just how it be. It's just how it be. Okay. It's just nothing to get upset about. It's just how it is. People got to make their left turns and they got to do it the safest way possible. And sometimes that means you got to wait a couple moments before your foot can hit the gas before you can go on your green. Okay. So I've set it up. I'm coming home from work. I'm waiting to go straight at an intersection. The light is red. There's a number of cars going through making their left turns Uh after my light has turned green. The moment, I mean, I'm also not going to like start going into the intersection, even though I have the right of way, because there's like three cars, like, Turning okay. left. I'm giving the space to yeah. do it. You know, yeah. like the moment the light turns green, even though these people are turning left, the car behind me like just goes honk honk, <laughs> like for me to go. <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, baby, it's on now." So of course, when it's safe for me to do so, I accelerate as slowly as possible. <laughs> it's a one lane road going each direction. Yes, they can't get around yes. me. 
And then I w- and then I was just like for a couple of blocks, just like kind of stewing on it a little mm-hmm. bit, the audacity. Yeah. You know? So I'm I'm driving like two miles below the speed limit, mm-hmm. grooving, you know, whatever. Like this car is still behind me. The next intersection I see that it's about to turn red. Yeah. Now, on a normal day, I would have just stopped at the yellow. Yeah. Again, because I see people, they're trying to turn left. Right. Give them the space to tr- do the left. It's a hard thing yes. to do. But you know what? I would rather leave this person behind me that honked at me in the dust because they're going to have to stop at the red light if I gun it through the yellow because I'm b- going to barely make it. And so I've been driving real slow and then I just gas it as hard as I could through the intersection. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, looking how I smoked them in my rear view mirror that they have to wait through that whole other cycle right. after honking at me. Now, I bet they thought I wasn't even really paying attention while I was driving. Like, that wasn't completely planned. I wasn't waiting for the next moment to totally screw them over. But I was. (laughs) (laughs) The best revenge is anonymous revenge, I I, I usually think. Yeah. uh, Just revenge where they don't realize you're getting revenge. That way, the odds of retaliation are much less. I, I don't think they even I don't even think they uh sort of understood what it had just happened. <laughs> they thought they just got stuck at a red light and it was I, I would imagine well I, this is if this is the sort of person who's exasperated at you because of the first light scenario you described, it seems like they're kind of uh-huh. um not really aware of a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I I, I Yeah. I love this story, Crystal, because uh, being someone who, and I will admit, I guess as I, the years have passed by recently, I've become less motivated by revenge. Uh, yeah. It used to be the the strongest motivator in my life, and then it just kind of uh, has, has eased away. Yeah, same, unfortunately. But uh, when, I, when I can uh, issue a little petty spite... Like driving slow, slow as to make sure we catch every red light and then speeding up at a yellow is to leave them in my desk. Yes. I I do relish in that because it's just, there's, there's, there's two, there's two maneuvers in LA that just really drive me nuts. And it's when some, when you, when you're the person trying to turn left and the person also trying to turn left behind you. Mm starts honking at you but they can't see the on- oncoming traffic yeah. so they're pressing you to turn left into what would be probably a fatal accident <laughs> if you did it when they wanted right? you to <laughs> so you got to stay strong you, you got you make that left turn when you feel like it you know what i mean no apps and then the second thing is at a green light when you're you have the right of way and you're going to turn right but God forbid there's some pedestrians in the crosswalk, right? <laughs> and so then someone behind you starts honking. I'm like, well, I'm not going to cream a pedestrian. Yes. <laughs> That's simply not going to happen. And you can't see them. Please stop honking. You know? Precisely. So. Yes. I. It's audacious. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess if I lived in L.A. based upon your descriptions, it mm-hmm. would not be out of the realm of possibility that if I had to drive, I mean, if faced with this, the intersection you were faced with, mm-hmm. I would just go straight 
and then mm-hmm. at the light beyond that, take a right, then take the next mm-hmm. immediate most right, and then mm-hmm. the next immediate most right, mm-hmm. and I end up on the same road, and I don't have to make any left turns. Yeah, well, congratulations. You've just added 20 minutes to your trip. <laughs> I'm willing to trade... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I I know a lot of people from out of town, even people from San Diego have been like, I will do that because I cannot deal with a left turn situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know? I'm, I'm willing to make that, that transaction. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, cause it's, I, I, my, the, the calculation there is that the, uh, number of minutes I lose off my life because of mm-hmm. the stress of s- sitting there in the left turn lane. Mm-hmm. Um, God forbid if some person, uh, much in, as in your story, came up uh, behind me and started honking. Um, but the amount of minutes <clears throat> lost would, by, caused by that stress mm-hmm. would probably exceed the 20 minutes I, I lose by uh, trying to pull off that maneuver. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, um, well, I find it exhilarating personally. Yeah. I've become so accustomed <laughs> to working at night. I was working a odd shift where I was like coming in at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I became so accustomed to that that when like we returned to semi normality and I started coming in at 11 p.m. instead of three in the mm-hmm. morning. Um, <clears throat> like driving in at 11 p.m., which I mean is a fairly thin traffic time. Um, mm-hmm. Even then, like I was like, "Why are all these cars on the road?" And there's like there's like two cars, one mm-hmm. <laughs> going each direction, and I'm just like, "Oh," because I got I was I became so accustomed to like my 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 smooth 3 a.m. driving where I wasn't seeing mm-hmm. anything. Uh, yeah i mean uh you own that city at 3 a.m that's what know? it kind of feels like you know it's like this is my <laughs> town i mean it, it's 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 as good it's it's as good as you're gonna get to um having one of those sort of post-apocalyptic scenarios where there's literally no one in town mm-hmm. and you can just you know the roads are your roads yeah yeah, yeah. well well, yeah. well, well, unfortunately, there's a there's a whole segment in between this conversation and the car related segment <laughs> that that kind of I, I could probably have devised some sort of connecting comment to. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. we uh, we're going to have to go to France before we go to. Oh, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, what what is this? Season six, episode sixteen. Does that sound right? Um, yeah. Let's go to France. Uh, to Lords. Is that how it's pronounced? Uh, they kept. Yeah, it's like Lord Lords or Lord Lordus or Lord. I don't know. It's L O U R D. We'll just say Lords. Like Madonna's child. <laughs> His name really? Lourdes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a true fact. Okay. Uh I won't question it. Um Yeah, yeah, let's go to let's go to Lords. Um which 
when I first saw the, I think they had a allusion to this segment in the previous uh, at the mm-hmm. end, end of the previous episode when they were showing what was coming up next. Um, mm-hmm. Either that, I'm j- or I'm just imagining it. That's also a possibility. I, yeah, I, I, I at first was excited. I thought this was like, oh, this is going to be like the third in a trilogy, like. We had Medjugorje. We had our yeah Medjugorje. Medjugorje. We yep. had Our Lady of Fatima, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. there's gonna be a third vision type thing, and uh, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll complete the set." Um, but it's not so much about visions as uh, mm-hmm. spring water. Yeah. Yeah, there's some, there's some, uh, it's like a hot spring mm-hmm. or something that they built a church around because. Well, okay, I guess. St. Bernadette. Uh, yeah. Did something. Yeah, I guess someone saw, had some sort of vision. But this isn't the story of St. Bernadette. No, no, that would have been probably quasi interesting, at least. Yeah, that would have been interesting. So do you, if you noticed, uh, listeners, why we went on for so long about traffic. Uh, it's because we were kind of hesitant to jump into the healing waters of Lourdes, France. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I turned a movie off to watch this stupid episode, so we have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that a... The unexplained slot in the Unsolved Mysteries lineup uh, got consumed by this. It's like, I feel like I'm getting cheated yeah. out of UFOs. People are dying, Kim. Like, <laughs> UFO something? Right. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Missing persons? Sure. Yeah. Um, unexplained death. Right. Uh, a treasure segment? Oh, Why yeah. not? Any anything? What is what is this? Even what's is this segment even titled as? Okay, so like you said, you know they very briefly touch upon Ber- Bernadette. She saw something. Was like, hey, we should build a church here where the spring water is. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would have been fun because if they done reenactments for it, we would have at least got period costumes. Well, I guess we kind of got period costumes in a loose sense but mm-hmm. we would have had some nice mid 1800s period costumes um mm-hmm. but no it's, i mean it's just they just sort of you know so show some pictures and give a little bit of background narration um and uh they interview what was it father john lochran it was like mm-hmm. uh what was he uh english yeah, he's the English-speaking chaplain. Yeah. Uh, I guess this place is um, pretty popular uh, as a um, destination for uh, pilgrims or just people tr- trying to look for for something to address their medical ailments. There's we get some actual live footage of you know people attending the uh, attending the the place. You know, there's there's pretty substantial numbers of people there, so. Just a little background, which I'm sure they didn't, they didn't mention much about in detail about the uh, church itself mm. that was built around the grotto where this spring yeah. is. 
<clears throat> but um, so I guess uh, the Catholic Church has documented sixty nine mir- <laughs> nice. <laughs> miracles at Lourdes as of twenty seventeen. So it was probably a sh- lower number when Unsolved Mysteries aired this. But um, they it, should they should have no further yeah, miracles. So <laughs> Keep it at that. Yeah. Well, it's also. B- it's also, I mean, I'll give the Catholic Church some credit here because in order to be um, be- beautified or to declare something a miracle, there is a pretty lengthy investigative process. I mean, you can question the merits of that process, but it is, there are criteria. You have to have, uh, you know, outside people on your panel or whatever to decide what is and what is not a miracle. And so the there is an actual panel in Lourdes, France, you know, of doctors, atheists, and people, uh, priests and whatnot from the Catholic Church that um, sort of decide what what is and what is not a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like, because this segment, and I kind of have a theory about this, because the segment's broken down into two. Mm -hmm. We get uh, the story Mm -hmm. of, um, you know. Jean Fratel. Yes. um, Who is French. Uh, and then we have the story of some other, like like some American girl, um, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the I think it was was it Father was it was it Cochran who was saying like they, he was just they had that little discussion at the the end of uh, the total end of both of these uh, stories and they're mm-hmm. kind of like hey you know we the second story we can't really give it the same validity stamp as we gave the first Mm -hmm. um not 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 saying didn't happen but we just don't have the um Mm -hmm. we just haven't been able to uh uh, examine it the same way so we can't really attribute it as a miracle um but one thing i noticed about the uh these two two stories um because i first watched this episode on youtube as is my want to do Mm But I, um, I was I had access to Amazon Prime, and mm-hmm. I watched it on there as well. And I noticed in the title menu mm-hmm. they had Lords parts one and two listed. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of wondering. I think this may have been like something that in the, in the original airing of Unsolved Mysteries they did a two parter over two episodes. I don't think no. so. I think when it's listed as parts one and two, that's been actually a lot of episodes that we've done oh. where there's a segment that, and it's just broken up. It's just a longer segment that was probably broken up by a commercial. Oh, I see. When it originally okay. aired. Right? Yeah. So they like normally like there would be a segment commercial break segment commercial break. But this is like part one of the segment commercial break part two of the segment commercial. break. Oh, okay. Well, it, it, well, it does because yeah. they would need to air commercials, seeing as how this segment's about eighty-five percent of the episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like there's a lot of painstaking reenactment that goes on here, which I appreciate. Um, but like both of these, even Jean—I mean, Jean was like the most dramatic. She was just like, oh, "I was dying. I was comatose. They wheeled me in. The priests had to like." you know, part my lips to give me the host. I couldn't even chew. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe it. It was just like on and on and on and on. And it's like the, I guess, so she's she's an old woman now, but it was when she was very young, about 23 years old, she was uh, 
contracted a serious both young ladies contracted a serious and mysterious illness oh. um jean fertel is the only one is the only one of the two that actually had a name diagnosis which i tried to look up right before we started recording and um it's tubercul tubercular perianitis which looks like probably the last time that was discussed, I mean, as a grouping of symptoms, as a pathology, tubercular parentinitis was last probably diagnosed in the 1950s. Okay. So I, ca I can't, I couldn't find without doing some like serious deep dive, like what would cause that, what the groups of symptoms are. Um, in the segment, they mentioned that Jean had like, like a rock hard abdomen and there was blood coming from her nose, mouth and intestines. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what would cause the nose and the mouth, but having blood coming from your intestines, theoretically out of your butt <laughs> is the implication here. Right? <laughs> oh, you've, you, you, you've probably just redeemed this segment in a way that I, I never, I never, I didn't think would, would be possible. Thank you. Well, I mean, you can't tell if blood is coming out of your intestines unless it comes out of your butt. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Unless your intestines are exploding <laughs> and you have a chest burster or something. But yeah. Um, so, and then the other s symptom being she had like a rock, rock hard abdomen. And to me, I'm just like, it just sounds like she was really constipated. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, that could be it. Um, I, I guess she was in a coma, though. I mean, we'll have to take her word for it. We'll have to take the church's word for it, too. But, uh, yeah, they do, the, they do the whole reenactment, and it's just, it's all so dramatic. And I was just wondering, am I, was I overreacting because I was so annoyed at the subject matter of this segment and because I had to turn my movie off to watch this episode? Um or was was it just had this extra layer of like histrionics and drama to it that we normally don't get with this sort of thing? Oh, I know, Crystal, is that yeah. you were texting me about your feelings on this segment a couple of times. I yeah, I was like, oh, the like Gene is just like this this just super dramatic storyteller, and um, I guess so. Gene gets healed by the waters or the communion. I'm very unclear as to what healed her here yeah because she came out of the coma when the priest forced the host into her mouth and then they put her in the the bath under the church yeah so i don't really know but she got better and then she went home and then in 1950 um she took vows to become a benedictine nun so she's still a nun or she was still a nun she's probably dead by now she's a very old lady <laughs> In this right. segment um and she's like perfectly fine and then they oh man <sighs> this is where i got legitimately mad in this segment okay. and beyond annoyed uh because the last thing they do is showing gene pushing someone who maybe has i i can't diagnose on site but someone who has like cerebral palsy or something like that they're wheelchair bound um they uh, are being pushed into the he the healing presence of the chapel or whatever at, at Lords. And, um, you know, it just really gets at me when people who, it, who are well, uh, t you know, tell people who are unwell 
that the answer for them is um, prayer. <laughs> yeah, um, I well, I you know, I have to I have to say this was like the site you described is also what kind of um, is the thing I found the most morally objectionable. Uh, it kind of coincided yes. with this, yeah, yeah, and it it coincided with mention of like how um, Jean basically now like it gives the impression that like she twenty four seven is like just f- bringing people in like okay let's bring them in let's you know um, this is this is the this is what's going to cure you uh, yeah. yeah well first well first of all. I'm I'm sorry to be a bummer, but like first of all, yeah, there are some things that are not mind over matter. <laughs> you know, yeah. like y- you can I you know I do believe that people feel better when they pray because it makes them feel like they have some measure of control over their disease or yeah. illness, and that ultimately ultimately handing those troubles over to God is less stressful for them. Mm-hmm. And in turn, because they are less stressed, they might recover more quickly. Yeah. That's what I, I, I do. There is evidence. There is right. medical no, evidence. Yeah, no, for sure. That that can be the case. Uh, I, 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 Dipping someone with cerebral palsy in a bath isn't going to cure their cerebral palsy. And in fact, what just, just, they probably came from really far away. And there's only so many people that live in Lords, France, yeah. right? They had to spend all that money that would have better been used probably somewhere else. Um, to, for on this bullshit. I mean, this is snake oil and it, it just kind of dro- drove me fucking nuts because, you know, I'm sure Jean's 1930s tubercular peritonitis was a real mm-hmm. thing. Kind of just sounded like she was pretty backed up, but whatever. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Um, and that maybe she got to poop finally <laughs> and then she was better. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I have a similar editorial, uh, perspective on this as you do well i mean do you want to talk about lorraine echevar which is the the second part two of the yeah <laughs> what what i found yeah because um well what i found a, a bit interesting about um your mention of uh you mentioned lorraine also had something real because i had to i have to admit that like watching the segment because you know they're like they're they're just trying to describe her symptoms like you know, mm-hmm. she 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 had difficulty looking at us and seemed to like roll her eyes. So I was like, well, maybe she was just a teenager, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, it it sounds like yeah, Lorraine. Like, I'm not a doctor or anything. It sounded like maybe she was suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, probably when she went to Lord. So she went, she got sick in 1975. I don't think that was like a recognized diagnosis until pretty recently. And I think there's still a lot of people who would roll their eyes at somebody being like, oh, chronic fatigue. It's not made up. It's real. Um, It's a real condition. So. Okay. Um, that might have been what was going on, but the fact that Unsolved Mysteries is like, she has mysterious (laughs) illness and they never, ever. mention a diagnosis Mm -hmm. or anything and this is ultimately what leads the the uh chaplain to be like we didn't get to see lorraine's medical records before she arrived yeah 
we don't, you know, that's basically what he said. We didn't have evidence of her illness before she came here. So we can't say that she was healed because we don't know what she was sick. Yeah. We don't know what to check her for now. Right. So I, Hey, it's not falsifiable. I appreciate, I appreciate, (laughs) I appreciate the chaplain being like kind of a scientist about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Exactly. I, well, and I just want to emphasize, I'm not suggesting chronic fatigue syndrome isn't real, but when when I was uh-huh. watching the segment... That's just my guess. Yeah, yeah. That's just my guess, because they oh, never okay. tell us what was right, going on right. But yeah. when I was watching the segment, like, <laughs> in my mind, I was just like, she's faking it. She didn't want to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she was like 14 when she got sick. Right, so. right. She was just like, hey, you know, it's some of us, you know, uh, when we're when we're when we're young, we fake getting sick to get out of going to school or something. And and sure. in my head, what I was thinking was that, oh, you know, her parents were like, you need to get a job, young Missy, and you know, help pull your weight around here and everything. And so she was just yeah. like I'll just fake being sick. And so she just like, was like, you know, what's the easiest way to do that? Just lay in bed and just like not interact with anything. Um, Right. uh, Well, there's, you know, there's also maybe a little like Munchausen syndrome going on here. Who knows? Perhaps. But but so, so like, (laughs) yeah, I, I, when, when she, um, uh, with, because the you you had like uh, I we have the mother in the interview talking about how when they when she was bringing Lorraine when they had arrived at Lord Lords, um, mm. she was like, "Oh my God, what have I done? I I brought her all this way and like." I don't even, you know, like, it just seems like it's making her condition worse. And I don't even speak the language. <laughs> <It's> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> which <laughs> I don't know, like, for somehow I, I interpreted it as like being some sort of self centered, like, thing on, on her part. We're like, it's like, well, this was a mistake because I'm not going to get f- the full experience out of this trip to France, but whatever. Um, yeah, so Lorraine allegedly experiences. Um, what was it she experienced? She just kind of like. She had like a vision or something. Yeah, like a kind of, yeah, a kind of vision or something. And um you know, uh, it was just basically like, "Hey, get better." Uh, and she, she, yeah. she was moving again. And all, all this time in my head, like what I was, <laughs> what I was thinking was like, you know, I was, I was, I was picturing this teenager as she's being wheeled into this like, this French, you know, chat church over hot springs and her mother's stressing out about whether she's doing the right thing to help her, her, her child, uh, recover that Lorraine, like her inner monologue is basically just, um, you know, uh, like, well, I faked this for quite some time. I've faked it through the doctors, through the 
um, psychiatrists um, through through everything, and um, we're we're kind of coming to the point of no return here. I guess <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to. Right. I'm going to have my my mom my mom's got me here hoping that magic water <laughs> saves me. So I I guess I better and she spent all this money on plane tickets. I guess I better act like it did. Yeah. I mean, Lorraine was pretty effusive as an adult with like this is like her whole identity, how she was healed at Lords. Mm-hmm. And uh she I don't know, just the whole okay, let let's do a thing. Unsolved Mysteries did not give us the timetable between Lorraine getting sick and them going to Lourdes. But Lorraine Lorraine becomes ill in November of 1975. Okay. They go to Lourdes in March of 1976. So three months before they're like, oh, this is the only thing that'll help. (laughs) Let's go to France. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess uh, I didn't realize that that was the time frame. That's. I thought this was like a years yeah, long thing. Yeah, they made it sound thing. like it was yeah, years. That's what I thought. Yeah, no, it was four months between Lorraine falling ill and then her family deciding to go to Lourdes. <sighs> like I broke my back, I don't know, a couple years ago, and it took me a month before someone would even agree to give me an MRI. You know what I mean? Like it was just like. <laughs> And, th- you know, three or four months, it, w- w- what are the doctors going to be able to diagnose on the spot? Yeah. Right? If it's a slow moving thing, like they got to, you know, think about it a little bit. Um, also, the thing about her kidneys began to fail. I'm like, well, who decided that? <laughs> was it the doctors? Or was it when you were buying the plane ticket? <laughs> like, <laughs> what was going on here? I don't know. Just, the, just that. I don't. It's also like if four months in, you're ready to be like, let's go to France and and see the healing waters. I feel like you're probably not. You're probably you're probably more inclined to believe that this is going to be helpful. Yeah. And then you have to perform as though it was. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. That's a good point. Um. But uh, yeah, credit where credits due. With the with the English speaking chaplain being like, "Nah, <laughs> nah, Lorraine, I don't think so." <laughs> we know what real miracles are here. Uh, yeah, I, well, I that that's one thing I've always um, I've always appreciated about like I mean, whatever your beliefs or views on uh, phenomenon and stuff are. Is at least like I mean yeah. the chat the Catholic Church has a long uh, like intellectual tradition, and I feel like that kind of uh, mm-hmm. sometimes manifests in, in, in stuff like like having a, like you know we have a panel who examines these uh, these miracles, including people who are like mm-hmm. not buy-ins, such as atheists and whatnot, just so we can we can mm-hmm. uh, sift through and and you know weed out the uh just the the the, the pure nonsense uh stuff so mm-hmm. um yeah it uh, what a segment uh the, i mean if you haven't watched this segment person who's listening to this podcast uh it was like this was like 40 minutes right 
they spent four, yeah. 40 minutes on this. Um, and then they kind of like rushed the last two <laughs> segments <laughs> in. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Can we go to Vermont, please? Can we hop in the pod plane and take a little flight over to Vermont? Uh, I'm assuming we're getting a meal on the flight, right? Yeah. I mean, do you want do you want to put in for a special one? Sometimes they're better. Oh yeah, that's I've heard that's a thing. Uh, like uh, like yeah. like the, uh, ask for the kosher meal. Or you can be like me and Dave when we uh, or like Dave when we flew <laughs> flew to Africa and he asked for the bland meal and I'm not joking. <laughs> bland <laughs> is an option. Well. Wh- what was was the what 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 airline was this on? Was this? It was a uh, Qatar Airways, so it went through the Middle East. But oh, yeah, okay, um, so that does that doesn't actually seem too crazy to me. I mean, uh, maybe were mm-hmm. there were there foods uh, were there meals kind of spicier? Yeah, it was a lot of curries and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. this this is. <laughs> Yes, under any other circumstance of an <laughs> airline meal, requesting the bland meal, I I would I would scoff at that. But I do feel like maybe um, like I mean if you're dealing with a um an airline that's like it, it, the the meals they're they're putting out are a little more customized to like local palates that mm-hmm. are more have a lot more mm-hmm. spice uh, to it that. Uh, yeah. The, requesting the bland meal actually is a uh, uh, make total makes total sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's still funny though. <laughs> um, well, the other funny thing about uh, Cutter Airways is they have a one Falcon per person allowance. <laughs> one one Falcon per person, huh? Yeah, you're allowed to bring one hooded falcon on board with your seat purchase one falcon per person i i assume you're being serious when you say that i'm being deadly serious how many falcons <laughs> did you see on your flight i didn't see any it doesn't mean there weren't any falcons yeah, on okay. board yeah. because it was a very large plane but uh yeah it's i guess in so we have really diverted <laughs> here but i'm happy to talk about it um, I guess the falconry is a huge uh, sport in um, Arab countries. And so uh, that's why there's an allowance of only one falcon. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah you, well, you don't want someone like just taking advantage of it. And they just bring their whole like falcon team or um well, assembly. you know, they had to put the rule in place for a reason, one presumes, because someone kind of <laughs> brought too many falcons one time. Couldn't, couldn't take control of that. Oh, um, man. That sounds fun. Um, <laughs> though, if I had been present, uh, I would I would be glad that, like, because it specifies hooded, right? So I'm... I. Yeah, you gotta. You you can't have just a, a you know a raw, unsheathed falcon aboard an airplane. I would I would be legitimately <laughs> scared if that hood was taken off that falcon. It's like oh, he's gonna swoop in and try to take me away. I know it. God, please. I just 
But you know, someone had like brought like five Falcons, and Qatar Airways had to make the policy because they were like, "No, that was too much. <laughs> right. That was too many." I mean, at least it, one per yeah, seat. Exactly. If if this if this guy's gonna mm-hmm. buy five seats, then yeah, yeah, you can yeah. have them seated. Because, uh, but you know, and you know, have people. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, why were we going? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. sick. <laughs> Why were why were why were we going to Vermont again? Was that the Oh, because we were we were gonna meet up with Brian Brophy. Oh yeah, that's right. This was uh we got an update on his uh uh this was where the actual update happened about him getting um apprehended. Yeah. Yeah, but there was like updates on updates on this segment mm-hmm. though. Normally we don't talk about the updates if something is already aired um and had an update tacked onto it but this was like an update on an update go ahead like so uh and also there were there were only three segments in this entire we kind of have to yeah we kind of have to pad it out so yeah yeah so i just thought that was interesting so i guess uh so in 1986 uh uh brian bought a uh, 30 acre farm in you know rural vermont and um he was a good guy. Everybody liked him a lot. He didn't start any trouble and he was helping out his neighbors and um, he didn't know anything about country life. So they had to like teach him a little bit. I know that we discussed this segment already, but basically what happens is uh, he um, starts buying expensive things with too much cash. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I guess in 1990, the DEA caught on to what was going on with Brian <laughs> And uh, he had more than 2,000 marijuana plants when they uh, searched the premises, but Brian wasn't there. Yeah. And uh, then, um, yeah, so Brian pieced out. So that's the uns- that's the wanted portion of this, mm-hmm. the original wanted segment. So um, there's a really cute, it's really cute. They show the call, the Unsolved Mysteries call center. There's like a reenactment of the call center where some guy like rushes over to somebody else's cubicle with like notes like, we got him, we found Brian. It was really cute, you guys. It's just the idea that there's like a fully staffed call center for Unsolved Mysteries and they're just like breaking cases left and right. There happens to be a camera in there. It's fun. Uh, So... Brian, I guess, was spotted uh, in Paso Robles, California, which is not too far from where I live. And um, and then, as they say in the segment, Unsolved Mysteries aired at 8 o'clock and Brian was gone by 8.15. So... So, Brian... But here's the thing. they they, The tip that they got was from Paso Robles. Mm Mm-hmm. And they realized that Brian was one of their neighbors. What kind of narc do you have to be? This man wasn't hurting anybody. <laughs> he was just like growing a lot of weed. Like as far as Unsolved Mysteries tells us in the first airing of this segment. And then now, like he just had a lot of marijuana plants. Right. Okay? And then and then your narc ass neighbors and Paso Robles are like, oh, I know him. I'm going to be the one to solve this crime. Right. So Brian was too smart for that shit. He got out of Paso Robles. He was like, nah, nah, you're not getting me here. Um, and then he ended up, and then because more narcs called from Carlsbad, California, he was finally apprehended. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and then he served seven years and has since been released is the white text that we got. <laughs> then he, so. then he went, went on to be green party candidate for governor <laughs> a few years later. <laughs> His platform is heavy, heavy emphasis on marijuana legalization. <laughs> uh. I'm trying to think about like under what circumstances I would narc on my neighbors. Oh. If I recognize them on Solved Mysteries. Growing weed, I mean, definitely not one of those circumstances. Yeah, I, I wouldn't care. Um, I wouldn't care either. Um, but, you know, like, child molester, I wouldn't, I couldn't pick up the phone fast enough. I would be narking on your ass so fucking yeah. hard. <laughs> but I'm, you know, there's some in-between stuff, like... I don't, I don't know. Like there was the one with, um, it was the prison break okay. where the, where they had the Wendy's. <laughs> remember that? I don't know. Maybe that was last season. This was a long time ago. Do you uh, remember that? Where somebody broke out with the guard and then they went and they were watching the oh, episode of unsolved mysteries they were on when, and, and they had Wendy's. Yeah. When they've got caught. Yeah, man. I, um, God, I, I do remember that. Uh, did you know? Okay, I I told you about how they have a, a um they 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 had a vanilla frosty at Wendy's, right? Yeah, I'm aware of this development. Right. Uh, do you know that they now have a strawberry frosty? Uh, Robbie, I am also aware of that development. I'm up on the fast food news. <laughs> okay, it's just. Have you had it? Is it good? Uh, yeah. I haven't yeah, had. I it. liked it. Was it very strawberry? Um, strawberry. You know, it's like, um, you know, like what you would expect out of a strawberry flavored ice cream type treat. Mm. Yeah. It was, I, mm. I enjoyed myself. I was glad that, like, you know, I was like, I had no regrets that I, I, I ordered that as my dessert. Nice. So, yeah. I mean, uh, true listeners of the pod will remember years ago when I went to Wendy's and I ordered a Frosty and they asked me which one <laughs> and I had a meltdown because there for decades have only been the chocolate flavor of Frosty. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't know what to do. <laughs> what it's flavor. quite a revelation, is it not? Um, yeah. Yeah. Now they've got now they've got like three handles on that machine. Sounds yeah. like. Um, well, mm. I, I would say that in terms of me narking on people, um, it would be kind of like, there'd be like a, um, the, the X, Y access one access would be like danger level. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. someone who's growing some marijuana pant plot pants, plants not pants but <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't that be fun marijuana pants uh. mm, it sounds itchy <laughs> yeah i guess it's not really practical for smoking <laughs> that might actually be a little dangerous yeah. in itself if you try it but um but someone who's growing marijuana plants uh, i don't perceive any danger coming to me from that so much but mm -hmm. Well, especially if you're just like in Paso Robles and the guy is just taking care of some horses down the road. Yeah. yeah. What? I mean, like literally what kind of like drug war Reagan loving 
mf'er do you have to be to be like this cannot stand (laughs) you know get out of here with that shit yeah yeah i don't i think yeah i think short of like a kid toucher i'm probably not i'm not probably not calling be like, well, they're just minding their own business over there, and I don't need to say anything. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, that's kind of that. that's kind of usually my my thing is, uh, you know, keep my head down, don't get involved. Um, I mean, yeah. it's kind of easy when uh, I'm not really confronted with these issues too much because my my normal operation is, you know, I I pull up to whatever house I'm staying in. And as soon as uh-huh. I've turned off the car, I am heading directly from that car into that house. And the mm-hmm. as soon as I step inside, the outside world ceases to exist. Um, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm not joking. That then, sounds right. amazing <laughs> to be able to like compartmentalize in that way. That's that's. Um, what... I mean. I am all up in my neighbor's business, but it's only when I see them fixing up their house. I'm like, oh, are they selling? Are they are they flipping? Are they fixing it up to rent it out? How does this affect our property values? What kind of shitty neighbors are we going to have mm-hmm. next? Like I am as soon as I see some like activity going on at a house in my neighborhood, I am I'm on Zillow. I am on Redfin. I am trying to figure out what they got that listed for. Like I'm trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Right. So I am nosy in that way, but I'm not tr- trying to call the cops on anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I got gotcha. you. Um, I guess, I guess we, um, you might as well just hammer out these last two segments. Uh, we've been kind of delayed. Oh, there's yeah. two more. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Okay. Which, okay. Well, why don't you, is the next one Vernice Bradford? No, this is the uh, this is the. Um, oh no! I forgot there was another one. I, that's oh. strange because, dear listeners, yeah, that, that's that's interesting because this was kind of the highlight segment for me. Um, okay, well then you better talk about it because I've completely forgotten it happened. I uh, the segment actually starts out with. Uh, stack next to a car and he's sort of laying out a scenario uh, to you like imagine you're out somewhere and somebody just starts following you and you be gradually begin to realize what's happening that you know uh, and how terrifying it could be so we then oh i remember yeah, this now yeah yeah right <laughs> okay. so this is uh this in this segment they interview a woman named Jean. Uh, who's who's kept in in the dark during the segments to protect her identity? Her and a friend, uh, Dick Hansen, they were out at a along with some mutual acquaintances, were out at a uh, a bar, a uh, restaurant place, which uh, I don't know if you noticed, but in the background, it had a sign that said "Pud." Yeah, I think. The bottom of the Budweiser be burned out, but I totally oh, noticed that. Oh, okay. Well, that would be at least some sort of explanation because I was like, "That's weird." I, because because at first I thought I was going to say pub, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but it said pud. Pud. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it meant to say bud. I totally noticed yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I forgot this segment happened, <laughs> and then was. Immediately drawn back in when you said Dick Hansen. Yeah. 
And the yeah, um, yeah. Dick Hansen. He just gotten. Uh, he'd been divorced uh, at some point before this uh, this party. But Gene said he seemed in high spirits, like his life had been re- renewed. Um, yeah, he just got divorced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I. Oh, is that that? Is that how 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 that feels? I, I, I'm not. I'm not experienced with these things. Well, I've never been divorced, but I can see like not being in an unhappy marriage anymore being a pretty good day, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I, I, I guess I was, because uh, I mean, I, I was looking at it from perspective of like, what if it was like unexpected or 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 whatnot? Well, I guess if you're not expecting it, you're probably the source of the problems, right? <laughs> like like mm-hmm. like yeah you know, like what where is this coming from smash cut to a montage of <laughs> not listening to, to the spouse and all sorts of things anyway yeah uh, uh dick is like really happy um uh uh you know uh, then we 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 cut to like he um he he and Gene like they drove from wherever they were to the front of a restaurant on a empty road at night. Well, not empty, but um, mm-hmm. non busy road at night, because uh, that's where he had parked his truck. And she, you know, he was gonna um, get out from her car and get into his truck to go home. Um, and we have we have a little re- in the reenactment. I don't know how much of this is editorial interpretation on Unsolved Mysteries part, because mm-hmm. they have this little conversation where Gene like, says something like, hey, you going to come over to my place for a few hours? And Dick is kind of coyly like, well, I don't know. You want to start something up again? And I was like, oh, so it's not that just that they're friends. Yeah. I guess they had maybe like a past. Mm-hmm. And now that. Now mm-hmm. that he's he's you know divorced, yeah. Free. yeah. I was like, oh okay. Uh, I like it. I wasn't sure if this was uh, something that had been the uh, the uh, the producers of Unsolved Mysteries had been informed of, or they just sort of <laughs> put a little editorial interpretation on. Um, Mm-hmm. But but it was uh, I, I guess you know it, it makes the subsequent events that happen all the more tragic because they're they're in the middle of this sort of flirtatious exchange when a car pulls up behind Gene's car mm-hmm. and at first Gene thought because there was a post office box um, uh, near them she thought oh this person mm-hmm. they want to drop some mail in. To the the post office box he's just sitting there and he's like creeping them out uh and so dick you know he gets out of the the car and he goes and he gets into the truck and they start you know both of them start driving and this car starts following them or more specific specifically gene's car and so we get mm-hmm. we get a kind of a, a high stakes um chase sequence and i gotta say Mm -hmm. um i was 
I was pretty engaged in, in this chase. Like a lot of movie chases, I kind of zone out on because I don't, I'm not invested mm-hmm. in them. So I don't really care. Like, I mean, there's no crashes. There's no, uh, nothing here, but I was, you know, I had more invested in what was, you know, what was going on with this situation. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but they have like in the reenactment, they kind mm-hmm. of have a, a shot where you see, you kind of more or less distinctly, distinctly see the, um, the face of the guy in the car that's um, parked behind them. It kind of looked like mm-hmm. Steven Root from News Radio. <laughs> 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 and it's like, I, yeah. And then later they have like a, a, a composite sketch uh, or whatever um, done of the guy. And the guy looks like the, in the sketch of, of, of the, the alleged sketch of the, uh, the guy. He looks like a he looks like a fucking nerd, right? Um, yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I have a speculation on this. Uh, what happened that I'll I'll bring up at the end and sort of tie this all together. But yeah, so you know, mm-hmm. Jean she 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 tries some of the usual things, like she changes lanes and then changes back, and the guy keeps changing back w- with them. Uh, he follows them every turn they, they take. And so like Jean, you know, at one point, like, she's like, oh, okay, that's the way you're going to play this. I, here's how we'll play it. Cause they, they end up on like the, the freeway. Right. And, you know, she pulls yeah. a little ahead and she's uh, sort of in a, a, another lane and she just slams down on her brakes. She's like, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. But the guy slams down on her on his brakes too. This is on the freeway. Even if it's mm-hmm. at night, it's on the freeway. Yeah. So this is how you know yeah. that it's pretty that was a bold move. Right, Jimmy. right. And I yeah. I mean, I guess it's um it definitely establishes one hundred percent that this guy is is, you know, he's following her because you know, mm-hmm. no, he wouldn't have slammed down on his brakes on the freeway anyway. So Gene catches up to to Dick and like she tries yelling at him through through her car window, uh, like blah blah blah. And, you know, you have to get to the police or something. And Dick's like, I can't hear you. Take the next turn. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they take the the exit, and Dick pulls over. Gene pulls over behind him. And the guy pulls over behind them. And uh, Dick is finally like, you know, he gets out of his car. And Dick's a big guy, right? Because And they mention because mm-hmm. uh, that he, he used to play football in high school. So he has like a big football player physique. And he goes walking over mm-hmm. and he's talking to the guy. And Gene, like... I, Jean, she can't, she, when she's recounting the conversation, she's pretty honest that like most of the times the the man spoke, she really couldn't hear what he was saying. So she only really got Dick's side of the conversation, but it culminates with Dick being like, you get the hell out of here. Uh, And Jean, you know, she gets back in her car and she just figures, you know, we're going to be on our way. Uh, Unfortunately, the guy in the car proceeds to shoot Dick twice once in the chest, one in the neck, once in the neck. Um, and unfortunately, uh, I mean, he, he does, he does not regain consciousness. 
and I, yeah, I believe it's he's already uh, he's already dead by the time that the uh, paramedics get there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they trying to trying to figure out who this guy was. Like they they talk with a some police investigator who said that like. He's like, what was he say? Most murders radiate out from either sex, <laughs> drugs, or money. Was that the th- trio? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, sex, drugs, or money. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. But uh, in the, in the case of this murder, you know, it's like you can't. You don't really have a connection in any of those those um, those cases. So the mm-hmm. the the hypothesis that the the police have is that because Gene has a, a 49ers type plate on <laughs> personalized plate on the back of her car. Yeah. 49er hugs. Yeah. Yeah. 49er 49er hugs. hugs. That's what it said. <laughs> Which is like <laughs> It's kind of, kind of like adorable, right? Like I'm gonna have a yeah, it's personalized cute. plate for my sports team, and I'm also gonna like, but it's gonna also be about hugging. It's like ah, oh. yeah, no, yeah. it's cute. It's cute. I like that for her, and I'm sorry it got her friend killed. killed. Yeah, <laughs> most uh, innocuous. Like, well, that's what the police think anyway. Yeah. They think he, they think that this guy that was following them was a fan of a rival team and maybe thought Dick was a player on the team because of his size. Build. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, and that's as good a theory as any, because this is, this segment was actually like really terrifying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, the, I t- that Maybe that's why I like blanked it out because I got too scared. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, I mean, we all knew Raiders fans were ratchet, but this is like, <laughs> another level crystal i was totally like the next thing i was going to say was, was gonna be a raiders <laughs> joke i was like joke. chris i was like because I, I was gonna just be like we're I, I can't recall were the raiders in the bay area at the time <laughs> yeah they yeah. were by the 90s yeah. yeah they were they were yeah so so millennials <laughs> the raiders used to play in oakland mm-hmm. So there was a there was a cross it was the cross bridge rivalry between the San Francisco 49ers and the Oakland Raiders. So the Bay Area in California had two professional uh, football teams. Um the Raiders before they were in Oakland though were in LA. Mm-hmm. So the rivalry was already across California and then they got a little closer. Now they're in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> so just I wanted the millennials and the Gen Z. I guess millennials would remember the Oakland Raiders. Gen Z maybe not no, so much, no. but yeah, they um yeah, and, and Raiders fans, listen, I grew up in the Bay Area, and Raiders fans had not the greatest reputation. We'll just put it that way. Um, and I wonder if there was just a twinge of racism <laughs> tied up with that uh, assumption. But um, yeah, I don't. I think I think the cops theory here is as good as any, because I really don't know what the hell was happening here. And the fact that this seems so random. Right, right. It's scary. Yeah, I know. And unsolved. And unsolved. There are no updates for this segment. Yeah, it's, you know, and and it's just, it's a theory that just fits the facts. Because, like, the thing was, was when he pulled up behind them, Dick had been driving Gene's car from wherever they had been out Mm -hmm. at to where his truck was parked. Mm -hmm. So, from the perspective Mm -hmm. of this guy driving, he's like, oh, there's that big football player 
you know, driving his car uh, uh, with his, you know, license plate, you know. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's clearly thought he was a 49ers uh, uh, player. And I guess he was upset about the results of a recent game between the two or something. Yeah. Uh, the, I don't know. I mean, it's as, it's as good a theory as any, and it's just really terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying something that silly would lead to someone being killed. I mean, I... Whatever the reason. I remember, know? like, even when I was in the fifth or sixth grade, there was the there was a, the trope amongst people in Nevada that, like, Raiders fans are, are like dangerous <laughs> yeah oh, like yeah. like even like just seeing other kids at the school in dayton who were wearing Ra's, raiders jackets i was like oh i'm mm-hmm. not gonna mess with that kid <laughs> oh for sure oh yeah. for sure oh for sure if you were in raiders gear you were thugging yeah that was like that was not no nah, you didn't mess you didn't mess around with the raiders fans that's yeah. for sure well, um, do you want to? Anyway, wanna... <laughs> no, I, I don't. But we can. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta plow through oh, it. Boy. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, there was a tornado in Murfreesboro, Arkansas, <laughs> 1915, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it really, it really fucked everyone's shit up. Uh, I guess $4 million in damage occurred in today's money or in 1993 money, um, which I have to imagine back in 1915 in Murfreesboro, Arkansas was probably the entire town. Yeah. And uh, there was a family, the, uh, the Bradfords. Yeah. That's who they were. And uh, they had some, they had two young children. And at the time of the uh, tornado, um, Ruth, the mother, was six months pregnant with her daughter, Vernice. And I really can't think of a more, uh, Vernice is just such an unpleasant name. Apologies to anyone named Vernice listening to this, but my God, why would you name your child that? Um, Anyway, so they heard the thunder, looked out the window. There's some pretty dramatic unsolved mysteries, stock footage of tornadoes here. I don't know if it's from Murfreesboro, but it's like they got some early, good early tornado footage that they used. Right, for right. <laughs> when I was yeah. watching the segment, <laughs> and they uh, they show the father looking out the window, and they cut to that 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 footage, and they cut back. I I, I yelled back at the screen, "Look out, kids! There's some stock footage coming <laughs> for us." <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the, so the father, uh, leads everyone out of the house to a nearby field. And I was thinking about this. Also, the way that they edited this was kind of strange because they sped up the footage to make it look like the wind was moving faster, but it just made them, the people in it look (laughs) weird. Right. Yes. Uh, anyway, (laughs) so (laughs) yeah, it was very cartoonish. Um, so the the father leads them out to a field and, and like lays down on top of them and has everyone hold on to this post in the garden and i was like well why would you do that don't you have a cellar and it's like well if you're it's 1915 you, and you know your house isn't that well built it's probably safer to be outside so sure okay and they end up surviving and their entire house was destroyed so i guess dad knew what was right. up but um as unsolved mysteries mentions in passing 
Um, Ruth was hit in the head by a wooden beam. And then a few months later, you know, when she's like eight months pregnant, she came down with yellow fever and went into premature labor. And I was like, damn, it was rough. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, just compounding on top of each other at that point. Yeah. It's like I got hit in the head when I was six months pregnant and then I got yellow fever and then it put me into premature labor. Um, so she, so there's a really touching, I guess, uh, reenactment of the doctor coming out to talk to the dad of the family being like, well, yeah, Ruth is resting and the baby's okay. And, um, and then the dad's like, well, is Ruth going to be okay? And the doctor's like, nah, dog, she's got hit in the head with a beam and gave birth and has yellow fever. She's, <laughs> you know, she's roadkill dude. And the dad's like, oh, shit. Anyways, so this, of course, because if you're poor and it's, you know, the old days um, and you're just a dad, like who's supposed, who, where does the baby get the milk? The mom is dead, right? right? Like, what do you even do? So, uh, so Vernice was put up for adoption and she got adopted out to like a really nice family. And then Ruby Bradford, the sister is now looking for her like 80 years later. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, there's a white text update that says Ruby was able to find what happened to her sister. And then that was the end. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's it. Um, And I was like, well, that was kind of like weird because usually for lost loves, when they have, they find the, the sibling or whatever they, they do either the family takes some home video or they send a crew out or something. I'm like, there's, there's gotta be a little bit more to this. And so the wiki tells us that, um, Ruby, uh, did find out what happened to her sister who was renamed Mary Pernice Logsden. Um, but she had passed away in a tragic accident in the 1940s. Mm. Mm. Okay. So this is coming, I don't know, five decades too late, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, cause they had, well, first they had to invent, you know, like television and then color television and then like. You know, the National Broadcasting Corporations had to have like a show, you know, that everyone really wanted to watch. And then, you know, that's Unsolved Mysteries. And that didn't happen until like the late 80s. So really, I'm not really sure what Ruby could have done. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Other than maybe like invent television sooner. <laughs> she she should have invented the Internet and then Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What gave you the inspiration to create these things? I wanted to meet my long lost sister. <laughs> that's right. So that's that's what happened. Yeah. Uh Robbie, if someone wants to reach out to us on um Ruby Bradford's internet, how might they go about that? Well, first go to iTunes or wherever you rent rate podcast and give us five stars. Did you just say rent podcasts? <laughs> Check us out from the library, guys. Um, yeah, go go down to sorry. your local rental. <laughs> yeah, your local <laughs> podcast depository. Where there, there's like li- get a podcast card yeah check us out there's little boxes on the on the shelf with you and me in the on the cover that's fun yep (laughs) um yeah that is fun yeah i i I picture us as both wearing trench coats stack style uh (laughs) yeah 100 percent. yeah um and then um uh, give us five stars and 
uh, tell us what you think about lost love internet whatever um then go to patreon and uh, <laughs> fucking bailed on that so hard <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, give us one dollar uh tier and, and you just one dollar please yeah, one dollar a month will sustain this podcast and if you give us five dollars a month uh uh even greater reward this podcast will sustain you <laughs> yes and and who knows perhaps what ails you will be cured um yeah if you bathe in the waters of reenacted yeah. and then self mysteries podcast and then send us did tweet at us re, reenacted pod and yeah while you can while twitter still exists yeah yeah and uh you know uh tell us tell us tell us about your 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 hot spring experiences there and miracle yeah. and then if you really want to get a lot no i don't want people doing that actually don't tell me about your hot spring experiences <laughs> oh no. uh, what are you worried about that the stories will be gross <laughs> yeah. yeah which is usually going to be the case and then uh if you want to send us a lengthy diatribe uh, feel free to send mm-hmm. send us one at uh, reenacted.gmail.com Oh. Hey Robbie, do you want to do the thing? Uh, join us next week for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries. 